Hello, hello, small business growth family. Welcome back to another episode of the No Fluff, most conversational business podcast out there, where we have raw and real and genuine conversations sharing tactical business growth advice, entrepreneurship lifestyle tips, mindset blocks, and so much more. If you're new here, I'm your host, Madison Page, and I am a business growth specialist helping you learn how to stand out and sell out on social media by building a ride or die obsessed online community around your brand. If you are on your eighth episode today, absolutely binging it, please give us a good follow. We put out a new episode every Tuesday and Friday. If this is your first episode, give us a follow as well. But if you are on your congillionth episode, give us a quick five-star review. It truly helps us out so much just to let us know that you are there as well as in the algorithm. We appreciate it so much. Whether we are together today, whether you're on your road trip, in the passenger seat, maybe on your morning routine, in your bathroom, maybe you're working, going out for a nice little hot girl walk, whatever that may be, I am so happy that you're here. Today, we are bringing you a perfectly timed episode all about money and accounting and taxes, and we are bringing you Ashley Ford. She is an expert in small business accounting, a QuickBooks guru, and has worked with hundreds of entrepreneurs to transform the way they make and spend money in their business. She knows that financial clarity is the key to sustainable success and is obsessed with helping women in business succeed. And when I tell you I was asking her genuine questions that I had about business, I am not lying. We got off of this interview and I was like wait can I ask you just like a couple more questions she is an absolute wealth of knowledge and I can't wait to share this interview with you so without further ado here is Ashley Ford from Pretty Penny Accounting hey Ashley thanks so much for being here thank you I'm so excited to be here thanks for having me yes you're welcome I can't wait for this conversation but first just like give everybody a quick one two of who you are what your journey is what you specialize in Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Ashley Ford and I own a business called Pretty Penny. We're at Pretty Penny Accounting all over social and that's our favorite place to hang out. Um, But we do accounting for small businesses and our goal is really to make the accounting side of business more approachable. I feel like it can be really intimidating, really scary. And we like to take that side out of it, be kind of your friend in the accounting space and help businesses figure out how to grow. Yeah, totally. And I have so many clients that are always like, um, I have no idea on the money side. They're like, I'm just a creative. I'm over <laughs> here making my art. Like I have no idea. So I'm sure you hear that all the time as well. Totally. Um, yeah. And it can be like just really complicated to kind of start. Like, where do you really see the biggest mistakes or like the biggest places to start? You're like, if you could give me like one, two, three of the, like every small business owner needs these tips or these things to focus on. What's your like quick. Yeah, I love it. And I think even just to your point, most people get into business because they're really good at something. They're really creative or they really like serving people or they have a talent that they want to share with the world. They usually don't get into business to do accounting or the finances side, unless you're me. And that's exactly why I got into business. But most people didn't. And they want to be able to let their creative brain shine. And so the first thing I always want to say is just it is super normal. It's super common to feel like a little unsure about the financial side of the business. Um, And that's what people like me are here for. So when it comes to sort of three top tips that I have for anyone who's getting started or is even in the, 
in the weeds with it. And it's like, am I even doing everything right? Am I even covering all my bases? <laughs> Cause that's the question I get the most, mm-hmm. um, is make sure you have some sort of system to track your income and expenses. I'm a big QuickBooks fan, but if you aren't wanting to use something like QuickBooks, even an Excel sheet works great, but just some sort of system that you're using to track your income and expenses. So what that means is you're literally writing down or recording in some form or fashion, all the money that comes into you and all the money that's going out everywhere that you're spending money. Mm. The kind of to tag on that, but really my second piece is to stay consistent with it. Like the biggest downfall that I see is people waiting until tax season or waiting until the very end of the year to try to get everything organized and go back and figure out what they spent in February of last year. And we don't know, like we can't yeah. remember far back <laughs> what that target receipt was. You're like, ah, what it was that for? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And not only are you trying to like pick, like trying to like dig down deep in your brain and figure out what things are, it also just takes a really long time and is really painful. Like it's really stressful. I've seen people put it off to the last minute and then they have to basically like not do anything else in their business except for try to record all their expenses for two weeks. So even if you just did like 10 or 15 minutes once a week or 30 minutes to an hour once a month and just put that on your calendar, hold yourself to it and get it done every month, that consistency is key. Totally. And then- Yeah. The last part I would say is just to always be working on your mindset around money. I feel like as business owners, we have a lot of imposter syndrome or just feeling unsure about things. And I think at every level, there's a new devil, right? At every level, there's something that you're wondering about. And it's the same thing when it comes to the finance, the financial side of your business. So to just be aware that it's common and to constantly be looking for ways to improve your mindset around money. Cause it really can transform your business. Mm, yeah. I want to dive into the mindset a little bit because that's something with small businesses. And I talk to my clients about it all the time too, where they're like, it's there's two sides of the coin where they're like afraid to actually be successful or they're like, I just don't want people to think that I'm this, like that I make this amount of money. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like let's dive into that. Yeah. But, but going back to your side of like, and not waiting until like, you know, April 10th to start counting your expenses. I have this core memory. And as I told you before we started recording, my dad's a financial advisor. So he does his yeah. own taxes, all of the things. But I have this core memory from when I was like 13 years old. And my dad, it was like the 8th of April. And he was like, I haven't even started. He <laughs> handed me like this whole thing of receipts and was like any gas station, put it in this pile. And I have this like <laughs> core like internal memory from like a spring break where we just sat and had to do all of his like expenses. He's like, I don't know how I missed this. So (laughs) I hear you. And in my business, I try to like once a month, I just go back into my business account, look at everything because it's way easier to do it like month to month, even quarterly than it is to go back 10 months later and be like, what did I spend there? So Yeah. Yeah. And if it's something you don't want to do, it's really easy to put off. You're like, Oh, I'll just like figure that out later. Like future me will worry about that. that (laughs) Like I can't be spending that many, that many different purchases. So looking at that money mindset side of things, where do you really feel like people get tripped up the most? Like what is, what is something, like you said, it's like the self-awareness, kind of that first little element of it. But where where do people go from there? How do people kind of drive? They're like, okay, I realize that's probably a limiting belief, but how do they go from there to be like moving on from it? 
Yeah. Something I think is really fascinating. I've done a lot of like money mindset work and research and just trying to like learn more about the even topic of money mindset. And this dates back to like World War One and World War Two. But whenever back then in a in a traditional family, the men would go off to war and the women were left with a certain amount of money that they had to then ration for food for their family, taking care of their family. And so as women, just historically, we've been taught to budget, save, not overspend, be very um, cautious of our spending, look for discounts. And it's because it was a, it was what was necessary then, but we have just continued to be raised that way. So women in general have sort of a fear around spending and that can look, that can kind of manifest, I think in two different ways. One, what I see is people oversaving and not paying themselves enough in their business, not investing in their business for growth, not spending the money that they need to really get to where they want to go. So they're almost like hoarding the money that they have. Like they're yeah. just like, I'm too scared to spend a dollar. Don't want to hire any people. Kind of that <laughs> sort of mindset. And then the other way I see that manifesting is fear around money and like a scarcity money mindset can really throw us into a loop of what I can, what I always call sloppy spending. Cause I don't like to call it bad spending. It's just, yeah. we don't, it's like unconscious. We're just like, we almost don't respect the money that we have. So we're just like, see something, want it, buy it. And it just puts us into this loop, which then can leave us in a not so great financial situation, which then perpetuates that feeling of scarcity. I don't have enough money, mm-hmm. but then we're not really wise with our spending decisions. So it just keeps us in this scarcity loop. So it's either like overspending or not yeah. spending at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm, that's really interesting. And I honestly didn't put it together, at least like consciously that like going back to like the great depression era where yeah. like there, it wasn't that long ago where, and like, it's our grandparents, it's our parents, it's whoever were in that era where they had to. And so it's just how we consciously learn. I mean, oh my gosh, I remember as a kid, like it's still like my mom still talks about like, she's so frugal. I'm like, mom, buy yourself some new towels. Like these are bleached gross. She's like, no, they still get the job done, but it's, it's just kind of unlearning some things that we've had that it's okay to kind of find that middle ground. So when you say that, like people aren't paying themselves enough, how do you go about that? When it's just like all this money funneling into an account from your business and like, sure, you could pay yourself. How how do you go about figuring out like how much to move from that account into your own personal account? Yes, I love this question so much because I am the biggest advocate for people paying themselves more in their business. Yeah. Until I find someone where I'm like, we need to like rein this in and make sure that this is, here. <laughs> this is responsible for your business. Um, but my biggest suggestion is if you are tracking your revenue and expenses, so you know what's coming in and what's going out what's left over at the end of every month is your profit. Mm. And I suggest for people to pay themselves a percentage on that profit. So you want to figure out, you want to be able to calculate what your profit is every month. I would set aside 25 to 30% for tax savings. Mm -hmm. I would set aside like 10% for business savings, just an additional like fallback. And you can play with those percentages. Maybe you want to set a little bit more aside for a business savings just so that you have that until you kind of have a nest egg that you're comfortable with. And then you can lower that amount. You don't need to just continuously be feeding that savings account. Yeah. And then the remaining 60% is what you can pay yourself as the owner. Mm. So that's what you can 
that's what you should be able to comfortably pay yourself while knowing that everything else is taken care of. Your bills have been paid for that month. You've set money aside for tax savings. You've even protected yourself with a business savings so that if something happens in the future, you have that to fall back on. So you can feel comfortable taking that money for yourself and spending it however you want, whether that's in different types of investments to literally pay your bills, to treat yourself, whatever that looks like, you can take that money and pay yourself with it. Mm, I think that's a really great way to do it. And yeah, that makes so much sense. Cause it's like, all right, like let's take care of everything, take care of the expenses, take care of what we need to. And then we can kind of look at like what we can move into our own account that month. Yeah, and exactly. It can be really easy when it's all like in the same bank as your personal account to just be like, oh, let me just take this and move it right into my own savings because it's all there. It's technically like, it is my baby. It is my money. But having that money then, like you said, to invest in yourself and to pay other people, it's, yeah, it almost is like its own entity where it's not like you're taking out of your own savings. Then it's like, no, no, no. This is like its own thing that we're paying people with this pool of money. So exactly. looking, yeah, looking at that, like investing element as well. So you said like, those were two things that when people under are undervaluing their money, they're hoarding it. They either don't pay themselves and they're not investing in things or like hiring people. Where do you feel like kind of moving past that? Where is your like, you know, like, it's just kind of something you have to do. Like, what is your mindset there? Yeah, I think truth, like just like anything else, the first part is recognition and like kind of understanding which bucket you fall into. Mm -hmm. And then I think guidelines can be really helpful I think on either side of things. And when I say guidelines or if I talk about budgeting, I'm not talking about something that's like super restrictive or you only gave yourself $100 and you spent $150, like you should be mad at yourself. That is not at all what I'm talking about. But if you give yourself sort of like a spending plan or guidelines of what to follow, it can help you either spend more, like it allows you to feel comfortable spending more, or it can, you can, it can help you see where you're overspending. Mm. Like maybe you kind of set guidelines for yourself. Like we just talked about with the profit. Maybe you say, okay, I need to be paying myself 60% of my profit every month. I haven't been paying myself anything. So now I can feel comfortable and have this guideline to fall into. Or if I pay myself 60% of the profit, the business is going to do great. And now I have this money that I can, I can spend however I want. Yeah. Maybe that's investing back into your business. You know, a lot of people might say, okay, well, I really, based on what my profit is, I only need 30 to 40% of that. Well, now you have 20% of your profit to hire a business coach or invest in marketing or hire a contractor to help you or an employee or whatever that looks like that kind of gives you the numbers, the space to understand what it is that you can spend. Mm. Yeah. And you're almost, again, you're like setting it aside for like, you're pooling that for yeah. that exact reason that again, it's not like you're taking away from the money you're paying yourself. Cause you're already doing that. It's just like in the overflow of how you can do that. And I think that's a big, a big reason people don't want to hire is they're like, Oh, like I could, that is money that I could be paying myself. But with that mindset around things is it's more so like, no, 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 I'm setting money aside for that purpose that I'm not even going to be like, I'm already paid my paying myself and I'm paying myself fully. It's the, it's in my own business's account. Yeah, exactly. And I have this outsourcing calculator. It's really two numbers for me to talk through it completely, Mm -hmm. but just the gist of it is that you can plug your information in and then really see how much more you could be paying yourself. If you hired someone in your business to take work off of your plate, which just like you said, sometimes it feels like a catch 22. Like I want to be paying myself more. So I don't want to spend that money in my business. But if you actually just like allowed yourself to cut back just for a little bit, maybe a month, maybe three months and put that money into your business, 
you could pay yourself double after that, you know, like it really can help you grow. Well, and it helps you work on your business as opposed to in the business. So your business can grow. So you can be making more money in that sense as well. I think it's a really great way to look at that. Hmm, I like that a lot. So kind of looking at hiring all of that and with saving money and over wanting to like hold it. Cause I, I know I have people like that and I have people on the other end as well that yeah. they're like, no, 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 no. It's a write-off. <laughs> um, yeah. how do you go about like wrangling that in a little bit or switching that over to, to start? Like, I guess it is it more so like getting, getting familiar with your money, not being afraid of like actually looking at your finances. Um, like where do you, where do you start there? Yes, exactly. I mean, getting familiar with it, not being afraid of your finances is huge. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times people that are in the overspending category or, you know, maybe are just spending more than what they can really afford at that point. They, what I tend to hear and what I tend to find is that they tend to have a lot of guilt around spending. Like they're spending it, but they're feeling guilty about it a lot, right? Like they're, they're like, oh, I shouldn't have bought that, but I did. And then the next day they see something and they buy it. And then there's guilt around that. And it's literally just this cycle of like feeling guilty or bad about around money. And I think the biggest thing- to do it all the time. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. It's like, it's literally like a cycle. It's hard to Mm -hmm. jump out of that. And I think the biggest thing for that sort of group is to really remember that money is not good or bad. So those type of spending habits are not bad. Money is just a tool in exchange for things that you want. And if you can take the good and bad out of it, it starts to help get rid of the guilt around spending. Yeah. And then you can just, every time you're going to spend something, I want it to move from what I called earlier, kind of sloppy spending to just intentional spending. Like whenever you're making a purchase, it's just a, it's just a tool that we're exchanging for goods that we want. Is this something I really want? Is this something that's going to get me closer to my goals? Whatever those are. If your goals are something in your business, like maybe you have one focus in your business, but you see a shiny object over here. Because a lot of us entrepreneurs do this. I do this. So it's hard. (laughs) And I'm like, Ooh, I want to try that out, but it's not in line with what my focus is right now. So if I can run everything through that filter of like, what's my focus right now? What are my goals? Is this purchase going to help me get closer to that? Yes or no. And it's the same thing if you're going to go to target, you know, and you want to buy like a pillow and a blanket and makeup and like stuff for your hair and clothes. None of those are bad things. And spending the money on those things are not bad. It's just being intentional and thoughtful about what it is that you're spending. Like, is this item really going to help me feel better, feel more confident? If so, let's buy it. That's a great purchase. If it's just like, mindlessly throwing things in our cart. Maybe we just reevaluate before we check out. And I am guilty of this, but it yes, is I think we all have bad. that like target Saturday <laughs> where we're like, whoop, whoop, like add that, add that. Yes. And, and nice if that makes you feel good, one. like yeah. if that's your, if that's just like, you're just like, this is my entertainment for the day. This is really going to make me feel good to go and buy whatever I want. That is a good decision. Like that is very intentional. It's just, we want to make sure that we're being intentional about the spending. Mm, yeah. And as for like, a lot of that. I think something that people have a, like a misconception and they have a lot of questions around is like, what can they write off when their business Mm -hmm. is more like them? Like for me, like my business is me. It's like my clothes is like my uniform. And (laughs) I have a lot of my friends that are like, can I write all of this off? Like what is, where does that barrier kind of, kind of go up? 
So the kind of the rule of thumb is anything that you use 100% of the time for business Mm -hmm. is most likely a business write-off. Okay. So clothes is something I get asked about a ton and it's really unfortunate because most clothes are not a deduction. So I always like to say like, if you were to walk into a grocery store and you saw someone wearing an outfit and you knew exactly what they did for a living, you knew where they worked, what they did. That is a, that is a write-off. Whatever they're wearing is a write-off. So like, think like a referee or a doctor. Like an actual uniform. Yeah. Yes. That would be a write-off. If you saw someone in like an athleisure outfit, you wouldn't automatically be like, that's a gym trainer or like, that's like a fitness professional. You would just be like, that's like a cute girl in her athleisure outfit. So the, the clothes that you could wear for other purposes are not deductible, but something that would be so obvious, like a uniform is. Mm, Okay. And if you can kind of take that principle across the board with other expenses, it seems kind of funky, but anything that's like a hundred percent used for business is an automatic. Yes. Mm, Okay. That's really interesting. And it's funny because I feel like I ask other, like there's some people that are like, oh no, 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 like put it all on there. And I'm like, really? I feel like that's an <laughs> audit waiting to happen. Um, so with your bookkeeping, like you've already said, really keeping it, like trying to do it consistently, all of that. And we're coming up to a time where it can be yeah. super stressful for a lot of business owners when they realized and they're kicking themselves that they didn't. And you said that you're a QuickBooks girl. Like, would you recommend people starting the new year to like not um, repeat what they did last year with their bookkeeping? Would you recommend them like is is QuickBooks something that they can do without any knowledge of it? Like, would you recommend that it's more it's helpful to have like some help there before they get started? Like, where would they where would you tell them to start in order to start organizing it? Yeah, that's a great question. I am a big fan of QuickBooks and this is not a QuickBooks ad. It's just, I've tried a lot of different accounting systems and it's the one that I always come back to. It's the most user-friendly. It provides the most information. It just is, it, it, they're constantly innovating to me. It just truly is the best one. Mm -hmm. But in that same breath, there is a platform called wave that's free. So if you're in a position where you're like, I really don't want to spend the money don't let that be what hinders you from getting organized with your finances. Mm. So wave is free. You can set up an Excel sheet that works and is great. But when it comes to QuickBooks, it's definitely something that you can jump into. Um, I offer a QuickBooks course that can help. It's like videos of how to do all the different things. So it really can walk people through it, but it truly is user-friendly. And there's a lot of YouTube videos that are free. Like you can literally Google a question on YouTube and you'll get multiple things come up. Some are short, some are long and people do some really good instructional videos. So I definitely think it's something you can do without support. I just think sometimes support is going to keep you from spinning your wheels or going down like the Google rabbit hole of trying to find your answer. Yeah. Well, and it's so helpful. I was just listening to a podcast with the owner of Tarte Cosmetics or the founder of it. She's not like the CEO, she, whatever, but, um, and she said that her, she, she had an assistant right away, but her like second full-time person was finance bookkeeping and accounting. Cause she's like, it it wasn't my zone of genius. And I had no need to learn it. I might as well just have somebody else come in. She was like, and honestly, like that girl's still with me today. Cause I could never give her up. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's so important to, to it's cause like we've said already that like creatives are there to be creative and like their zone of genius is like whatever the business side, the creative side, the art side and the money side just is like something that there are people out there like yourself that can help people so easily. Um, 
to just like take it off the plate. It's not even something they have to spend a full weekend trying to figure out how to, how to do accounting. Yeah. And I think if you, if you can get to a point where you understand how valuable you are in your business, when you are living in your zone of genius, like as entrepreneurs, we, we truly wear a ton of hats. It doesn't matter how big your business gets. You're still, you're still needed in a bunch of different places, but if you can figure out how to outsource or get support in the areas that really drain your energy and drain your time, then your time just becomes more valuable because you can yeah. spend that time being creative and, and living in that space, mm. which is not only why you got in business, but it's also what's going to help you not get burnt out. It's going to help you keep like running a sustainable business because you get to keep doing the things that you love and you don't feel like dragged down by the things that are really like not in your wheelhouse. Yeah. And like not in the things that you really enjoy doing either. And um, I think that's a really great way to do that. So what are on the other side of the coin of like the clothes, like that as that, as a write-off, like what is something that people don't always think of that they can write off or that is part of their business, like bookkeeping um, that people don't always think about? Yeah. I love that you asked this because I wanted to dive in a little bit deeper from my like hundred percent comment Yeah, because there are things that are not considered a hundred percent that it is still really important that people can write off. Mm-hmm. So the one I feel like that people hear of the most just might not be taking advantage of is your home office. So if you're working, yeah. if all the work that you do is from a home office about this, yes. Yeah. I mean, if you like pop into a coffee shop every once in a while, that doesn't like you're still majority of the time working in a home office space. Yeah. Then you can write off everything that's related to that space in your home. So you would getting really technical, but you would take like the square footage of whatever that space is compared to your whole home. And then you can write off your rent, your mortgage, you can write off all your utility bills as a percentage of your home. Mm. And then anything you use to set up your home office is a hundred percent deductible. So like a desk, a chair, artwork for the wall, you paint the wall, you get a plant, all of those things that you're using to sort of set up your space and make you feel comfortable in your space are a hundred percent deductible. Mm. And then sort of in that same realm is your cell phone. And I feel like that's probably the one I never see people writing off and it's seemingly small, but Every dollar that you write off is a dollar is, well, it's not a dollar for dollar, but every tax write-off that you take lowers what you're going to owe in taxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even though some of those things seem small, they're important, but if you only have one cell phone and you use that cell phone for business, take a couple days and audit how many, how much time you're spending on it for work versus personal. Yeah. And then you can take a percentage of your cell phone bill or you know, if you're on like the iPhone plan where you're paying yeah. monthly for your phone, you can take a percentage of those expenses and write them off as well. So what about like Wi-Fi? Is it the same kind of same deal yeah. as like however much Wi-Fi you're kind of using for your, for personal versus professional? Yeah. Wi-Fi, when it comes to everything in the home office, the, the best way to do it would be to figure out what your home office is as a percentage of your full home. So maybe it's 20% of your home. And you would take 20% of your Wi-Fi bill and write that off. 20% of your electricity, write that off. 20% of your water, write that off. Like literally if if your home office space was a true rental office, yeah, you would need those things mm-hmm. to go into work. I gotcha. Interesting. So I have a lot of clients and myself included that are like digital kind of nomads. I travel all the time. Yeah. I just bought a bus. I am like going to be living out. I'm renovating a bus. I'm going to be living out of the bus. So I have like the Starlink. I got all of the things for it. 
Um, how do you go about that? Like when you're working at coffee shops, when you're working on the go, like I have whatever the hotspot, all of the Wi-Fi. but how do you go about that when like you're home and like, it's such a small space that like, or like you work at your kitchen table where it's like, I don't yeah. have a designated space. I hear that really often as well. Is like, well, I don't, I don't have like a desk. Um, I'm just like in my, in my bedroom at like a table or something like that. Yeah, no, that's a great, great question. And I think it can get super, super technical. So I just want to yeah. back out for just a little <laughs> bit, but the it's wherever you're spending the most amount of time working. And I think in a situation like for a digital nomad and someone who yeah. is maybe paying for something like a hotspot or something that is very specific because they need that Wi-Fi when they're out and about and working, mm-hmm. that would be a hundred percent deductible because you're using that the majority, <laughs> yeah. if not a hundred percent of the time for work. Yeah. Um, and then when it comes to working in different spaces, it's tricky because you can't necessarily write off like a percentage of the coffee shop where you're working, yeah. right? <laughs> but you could write off a meal while you're working if it's could be considered a business meal. You could write off a portion of the bus expenses if you have kind of a section in there where you're working that maybe it's like, even if it's a countertop or something, you can kind of say, okay, well, 10% of this what it costs me to keep space. this up is my workspace. Yeah. And as long as you have that documented well, the goal is that we want it to be reasonably justifiable. So like okay. if I were to come to you and say, justify why you're writing this percentage off and you would say, okay, well, Monday through Friday or whatever days I work, you know, the weekends or nights, this is my workspace and it's kind of my dedicated spot or maybe I move around, but it overall is 10% of this space. As long as you can justify it, then okay. you're good. I love that because I, I, when I was buying my bus, I texted my dad and I was like, can I write my bus off? Like I've seen people, I was like, I'm going to be using it. Like I'm doing in-person strategy sessions. Like I'm going to be yeah. traveling to clients. And he was like, there's like a lot of technicalities there, but like probably <laughs> part of it. So that makes me happy. We'll have to like kind of look at that because I will have, like, I'm going to be building a table in there because I have to work out of it. So there's going to be, and the percentages seeing that it's like 14 by eight, it's yeah. like <laughs> be kind of high. <laughs> well, that's really interesting. Exactly. And like, so people in their homes, like how do they, and that's the element of like having an accountant that might be able to help you with those things yeah. that are like getting the technicalities where you're like, this is the overall, like they can kind of help with the, with the like minutia of all of the different things. Um, and I guess going from there is like, how do you, I guess it's just really like meeting with somebody and being like, all right, how do we look this up? Like, how does it getting into working with an accountant? Like, what is that initial meeting kind of like, how do we get this organized? Cause I think that initial, like, oh, it's going to be a big onboarding process can be kind of like daunting. Like I even like anything hiring anybody, it just seems like that initial month of onboarding can be kind of hard. Yeah. I love so much that you asked this question because I feel like something I hear a lot is people are like, well, I'll get everything organized and figure out and then I'll hire an accountant and have them help me. (laughs) And the truth is, is that we love to help you figure it out. Like that is literally our job is to come in. You don't have to have all the answers when you come to us. You don't have to have all the questions when you come to us. Yeah, We know what questions to ask you and kind of dig around and put in like ask different questions to figure out what your situation is. And then we can offer things or help you figure out how to calculate different things, but it truly is our job to help you get through that and help you get organized and help you understand. So you don't have to come to us with all the right questions or all the right answers or everything organized and ready to go. Yeah, It's really just about starting that conversation. So my biggest piece of advice is just to find someone that you feel comfortable talking to because 
when you hire someone on the financial side of your life or your business, yeah, I always say it's kind of like you're just opening the robe. You're like, this is what I have. Like you're gonna see it's a it all. Trust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you want it to be someone that you feel comfortable talking to. And if they were asking questions, you know, it's not coming from a place of judgment. Yeah. It's just coming from a place of help and let's get you organized. Mm. So it's really just finding someone that you would trust and feel comfortable talking to. And then starting, like just kind of taking the first baby step and yeah. then let that person guide you through the process. Mm. Yeah, that's huge. And I hear people that like my, my dad's clients all the time too, where like, it's a different element of it. He's not an accountant, but he's a financial advisor where it's the same thing. You're like, he's handling your investments for your future. And they say that all the time too, that they just like that. He's like, whatever he's, my dad's like very, just like casual conversational, like, isn't like this, like picture perfect, like businessman. And people like that. He's like, I'll just come to your house and like, we can hang out. We'll have a talk and like, let's talk about it. And I think that's really, really important is that trust element of someone that you feel comfortable. Like it is your money. It's like everything that you have. (laughs) And so it is something that's important. Yeah. Even whenever I decided to be an accountant in college, Mm -hmm. I just remember like joking with my mom. I was like, I don't want to be like the principal's office. I don't know. I just always had this image. Like my accountant's going to be so mad at me. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to leave like, you know, feeling just like down or upset. And so I've never wanted that. And I even will talk to people that have left, you know, an accountant's office crying because they just felt like it was so intense And so I feel like there's so many of us really trying to switch that image to really sit on the same side of the table as you like, this is really to help you. Mm -hmm. It is in no way to feel like you said, like all buttoned up with a tie. It's like, this doesn't have to be so business executive meeting. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, I love that. Well, Ashley, this has been so wonderful. I feel like I've learned so much. I have like notes written down. (laughs) Um, what is your like to leave your legacy, your biggest tip, your one thing that you want to leave with everybody in the podcast? Ooh, the biggest thing is I just feel so passionate about helping women find financial freedom and whatever that looks like for them. And and it's so important for me to, for people to define their own version of success. It can be so easy to get caught up in what somebody else's definition of financial freedom is or someone else's definition of success. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so important for us to define our own and then feel comfortable in that and feel comfortable around the money that comes with whatever that financial freedom or success looks like. Mm-hmm. Cause I think a lot of times we can shy away from it or feel intimidated by it, but it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Well, Ashley, where can people find you, your socials, your website, all of that stuff? What do you, what do you want to, where do you want to direct people? Yeah. So you can find me at Pretty Penny Accounting on pretty much any social media channel, and that will direct you to our website. We have tons of free resources and sort of like courses or different kinds of resources where we can meet people where they are. And then we also offer monthly bookkeeping support. So whatever you need, we have something that can kind of meet you where you are, but you can find us on social media anywhere at Pretty Penny Accounting, and that'll that'll help you find more of our stuff. Yeah. I'm interested to check out your outsourcing calculator that you talked about. That sounds really good. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a very cool tool. Yeah. Mm, Sounds fun. Sounds fun to play around on a spreadsheet with formulas. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Ashley, thank you so much for being here today. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Yes. Okay. Wasn't that absolutely so incredibly helpful 
for tax season and accounting and just day-to-day money keeping. My dad is a financial advisor, as I said, and she truly taught me so much, as well as I went to plenty of accounting classes in college. That was such a good crash course right before tax season on things to look at, things that you can write off, things that you can't. If you are looking for Ashley, she is at Pretty Penny Accounting on Instagram. I will put all of her links in the show notes below, as well as she has an accounting checklist that I will put down there as well, which is completely free. If you are new here, again, hit the nice little follow button, bright and shiny up top. We put out new episodes every Tuesday and Friday to help you turn your small business into a brand. If you're looking to come and hang out with me, hello, I would love to hang out with you. I'm on my Instagram stories all day long and you can come hang out with me at This Is Madison Page. And before we go, just one more thing is if you haven't heard of my new program, Entrepreneurship Made Easy. EME is all about taking all of your crazy ideas and giving you one direct strategic focus a month. A lot of times we're like, okay, we want to grow our following. We're trying to increase sales. We're trying to nurture. We're building community. We're posting on our stories on Instagram. We're trying to build our website views. All of the things at one time that we actually end up doing everything to like 5% of efficiency and effectiveness. Instead, let me give you strategic focus every single month, one thing to focus on, and then equip you with multiple trainings on how to do it well, what to actually implement, and give you some challenges and action items to start mastering that one focus, as well as getting resources and um, trackers and planners and things along the way. Entrepreneurship Made Easy was made to take your stress, your overwhelm, all of your wonderful business ideas and direct it to one strategic, aligned, directed, simplified focus. The dozens of people inside absolutely adore it. It is only $47 a month to gain over $500 worth of trainings and resources, bonuses, and all sorts of things inside. If you're interested, click the link in the show notes. Entrepreneurship Made Easy is open for enrollment and people are absolutely loving it. So before I go, just wanted to let you in on that little secret. If you are loving this podcast, EME will be that much more, 10 times more direction, strategy, and an actual what to do with all of this wonderful information. I'm so happy you're here and I hope you click that link to join us inside of EME.